Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. Today we have Tim Conley joining us to talk about branding for agencies and standing out. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. James, it is a pleasure to be here. It's great, uh, great talking to you here after just seeing you in, uh, in Thailand recently. Yes, and I was just saying that I'm very sad that uh, I saw the shirt you're wearing uh, for this interview is the event shirt from DCBKK where we just were. And um, my shirt has had a stitching uh, mishap and it's starting to fall apart. And that depresses me because I really like wearing the event shirt. They do such a good design job every time. Every time. Yes. Uh, and this topic today is awesome because I feel like one of the biggest things that agencies struggle with is standing out. Like it is hard when, you know, how do you differentiate a website design service from the other, you know, hundred people that are doing it in your suburb, let alone, you know, around the world and the way, the way, I guess the global culture we have now. So yeah, this is a really awesome topic. Um, let's start out a little bit with, I guess, your background and, and what you do. Cause I know you have an Epic YouTube channel and I've seen the videos being shared in some Facebook groups lately. Yeah. What are you doing for agencies? Okay. What I'm doing for agencies is creating a bunch of free content uh, on uh, mostly on YouTube. I, I'm really trying to learn, learn that it's, it's a, it's a whole journey all <laughs> to itself, but I've been creating free content and uh, with the, uh, ulterior motive of finding good investments. Uh, I, I, ah. look, I look for agencies to invest in and, and advise. And so having all this content out there is to essentially call it, create deal flow for me. Wow, that's awesome. I did not know that. That's very cool. So, so how did you get to this point? Like you run an agency for a while? Like what's the story? There? Yes. Yeah, so I got here because I failed. I back in the dot com days when I was a young man, uh, all the cool kids were writing a business plan on a napkin, and I was like, "I'm gonna do that too." And so I, I knew how. I already taught myself how to code a website. Uh, I was a designer, so I was like, "Man, this is a perfect fit. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna crush it and become a multimillionaire like all those other failed dot coms." And I became a failed.com. So that, that freaked me out because I had a, a new family. I was married. I had a baby girl. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to uh, like make it. Because I had put everything I had, every bit of energy into this startup. And, and it completely died. Damn. And so from there, I had... Uh, a few consulting engagements with some of my friends whose companies still existed. And they said, how do we do, uh, how do we keep going? How do we not do what you did? <laughs> and, and so, you know, I taught, essentially the first lessons I taught were the lessons that of my failure. And then I, I learned how to sell. I learned how to do copywriting. I learned all about direct response marketing and then I went back to my friends and I said, hey, you know, there's this thing where like if you write a great headline, you'll get better results and things like that. And I started creating ads for my friends. And then that those ads became an agency. And I started doing advertising, uh, billboards, radio, TV, like all that craziness. And uh, and then that just that led me into learning about how to run a company, learning about operations. And one day after I 
decided to retire young, uh, which I, it, it never stuck, but I tried. <laughs> and, and after that, I was getting asked by a whole bunch of people, how do I run a company? And so I ended up coaching. I've been a business coach for about seven or eight years now where I've just been doing it part time uh, in my in my pseudo retirement and using that as a way to stay fresh and up to date on what's happening in the world. And in the last two to three years, I've had a lot of agencies just start coming to me. And and so I just started making decided. Well, 80% 80% of the people who want my business coaching are agencies. So I might as well make uh, content for them and help them out that way. Nice. Wow. That's yeah. uh, one hell of a journey. I, um, you, you, I feel like I, with the stuff I've seen from you, you often have a contrarian view of things. Would you say that's correct? That is very correct. Uh, yeah. I, I'm usually against whatever is currently <laughs> the popular thing. And one of the uh, things that I that made me realize that at first with you is when I heard you speak uh, at DCBKK last year, uh, and you were talking about not treating staff like monkeys, basically, like because that seems to be the thing. Is it's like create a process for everything and get them to follow it, and I am totally on board with that. Like I really don't like just being like, here's a process, go and do it. Like I do create processes for things, but I, I really try to encourage the, uh, you know, anyone using it to modify it and, and come up with their own, maybe, maybe do the entire process again, you know, like, and so that really gelled with me. Well, uh, my, my thing was, uh, everybody says, you know, don't hire unless you know how to do the job, which is complete crap because <laughs> we don't do it in most things. Um, we don't do it in most things in life. Mm-hmm. I, do not go f- learn how to f- repair a car to get my car fixed. I don't learn how to do medicine to go get a doctor to set a broken bone. I don't learn how to do accounting. I don't become a, a, a certified public accountant so that I can do my own bookkeeping. Yeah. I, like I don't do any of those things. That's a great analogy. Right? Uh, so why would I do that on easy things. Like I don't do it on the hard stuff. Why would I do it on things that somebody could figure out all on their own? That is a great point. Like how, so in that case, I know that was already off the topic that, I, that we wanted to speak about, <laughs> but we'll, we'll come back to branding. I, I want to talk about this now. So like, how does that look in practice? Like, do you just say, here's something, go work it out, go, go find a course. Like, is that, is that how they get, they train themselves up on it is find a course? Like, so, Sometimes, but most things, when you bring a person on, there should be on the job training. Mm-hmm. There should be some back and forth. There should be some interaction. A lot of people try to hire, especially VAs, they try to hire them and then don't include them into the company, which is, which I think is insane. Mm-hmm. It's like you just introduced a brand new brain into your company, which is one of the most power is one of the most powerful computers on the planet. And you're like, I just want you to do this one little thing that I wrote on a Google doc. And I want you to do it over and over and over and over again. 
Like it, it's, it's so insane. So if you start bringing any new hire in and you spend time with them, get to know who they are, what makes them tick, see how creative they are, give them some tests, give them some things to do uh, that they have to figure out on their own. Stuff that isn't a big failure because you kind of hope they do fail at this test to see how they think through that failure. Mm. Uh, but it's something that's not going to be mission critical. It's not going to harm your business. Uh, sure, it wastes a little bit of time, but you get to know what they can do. And this is something that most people never figure out. I had a client of mine who needed a project manager terribly. And I said, well, have you ever considered anyone that you've already hired as someone you could promote up into that position? And he's like, uh, no, no, I hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> right. And so I was like, okay, the first thing you need to do is talk to all your employees, find out what they're capable of. One of his VAs he had hired, she was uh, an American. She uh, was wanting a remote job because she had young kids and Turns out she used to be a project manager at a software company. <laughs> wow. And, and he was just like, oh, and she had been doing VA work for him for almost two years. Wow. And he had no idea that she was a certified, highly trained project manager. Damn. Well, that's, uh, and there's a, a, you know, argument right there for, getting to know your employees, not treating them like, you know, someone that's just there to churn out shit on a Google document. That's yeah. And I like, you know, I've definitely fallen into that before. Like when, and it's, and it's easy to do, like when you're in a rush and you, and you just want to hire someone and like get this thing outsourced, it's very easy to just find someone and say, now do this. Um, and I've been trying to get out of that myself. Yeah. So, so my, my thing is people are, are valuable for creativity. Machines are valuable for repetition. So don't treat your people like machines. Mm -hmm. and, and do you need processes? Yes, yes you do. And there is no rule that says you have to be the one to make the process. Use someone else's brain to make the process. You never have to, and, and it's something that I say, a uh, owner of a company, a founder of a company should never ever create an SOP, a standard operating procedure. That's what the employee should do. Yeah. And yeah. And I actually have had your words in my mind uh, when I've been like trying to work out, navig well, na navigate this, right? So now generally what I do is try to record a video and just go about what I'm trying, kind of what I'm trying to achieve and then mm -hmm. just send them that and then exactly that get them to create the this procedure and and then we just work on it together it might be like a a working document where we both modify it over time or someone else comes in yeah so i've, I've actually had your words in my mind uh thinking about that <laughs> yeah and and so a lot of things if you're spending your time even creating a video it's probably because it's something that you've already been doing for a while and that does make sense let's get it off your plate and let that person turn it into a procedure but if it's uh, something that you need to grow. Your company's not doing it yet. Most entrepreneurs go, okay, I'll learn how to do this new thing that is going to allow us to grow. Then I'll make a, an, an operating procedure over it. Then I'll hand it over to <laughs> another yeah. person, right? 
when they could just bring their team together and say, hey, here's where we're growing and, and start de uh, defining roles and responsibilities inside mm -hmm. their company. And then those people go out and figure out the tasks that they need to do all by themselves. Yeah. Which is a dream, right? Because uh, I think, oh God, what book is it? I think it's uh, Clockwork by Mark McCallowitz, where he talks about the four Ds, which are like doing, delegating, I don't know, something else and deciding. And like there's these hierarchies of like where you are, your role in the business. At the start, you're doing things. And then I can't remember the middle ones, but one is effectively like you're just giving someone tasks and then they're going to come back to you with questions and, and all this sort of stuff. And then, but the, the level above that is like delegating an entire role, like proper delegating mm -hmm. to someone where they come up with the tasks and, and all of that sort of thing. So um, I'm in the middle of that book right now. That was um, yeah, clockwork uh, by Mike Kalowitz. And in many cases you can skip the assigning of tasks, mm -hmm. right? You, a lot of times you can just skip that uh, stage. I, I've worked with a lot of companies where we train their managers to stop giving tasks to their uh, direct reports and let the direct reports tell the manager what tasks they're going to get done. Because uh, if everyone understands their roles and responsibilities in the company, you don't have to define tasks. They just know, uh, the main thing, they, they know they got to get done a result by a certain time. Yeah, so it's an outcome that you right. assign. And then yeah. they figure out, how do I get it done? Right. right. And then when they figure out a repeatable process of getting this result, then they, then they turn it into a procedure. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, and we could probably end the episode there and start a new <laughs> right one. There, but, right there, right uh, <laughs> Cut, you know, give, give that a cut and put that out as, a, as its own little standalone training <laughs> right? for people. Absolutely. Um, uh, man, that's, it's, this is awesome stuff um, that I've been trying to implement in my business. Uh, well, sorry, not trying to. I have been. Um, and because, I mean, it's, it's such a trap to fall into like the, the delegating of tasks and, and treating people like, machines for now let's move on to designing uh sorry um like branding for a for an agency and how to stand out uh, because that's something i see so many people struggling with uh you know especially in you know you can just see in all these facebook groups that i'm in the amount of people that ask questions like this um so where do we start how do we create a brand for an agency and how do we stand out from other agencies Okay, uh, a little self-promotion here. I've got a video coming out. It'll be out by the time probably this uh, recording goes out. Uh, on Which we will link unique, up in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, uh, the unique, uh, unique selling proposition. Okay. So uh, I, I was doing some research because I was like, you know, this is one of the things that I struggled with early in my career was the unique selling proposition. Everybody's heard it. So I just went out and I read a whole bunch of things on the unique selling proposition to get refresh my brain. And, I, and then something struck me. Every one of them, even the Wikipedia article, basically says uh, that your unique selling proposition, you have to be unique. <laughs> and they tell, you, they, they tell you all the other parts about how to sell based upon a benefit, uh, you know, all these other things. But then they say at the end of all of it is, but you got to make sure it's unique. And no one has 
told anyone out there, you can look anywhere on the internet, no one talks, how do I be unique? How do I actually stand out? How is my selling proposition unique from everyone else? So uh, Dan Kennedy and a bunch of other gurus from the late uh, 80s and, and, into, and all the way into the early 2000s kept saying niche, 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 niche. Mm -hmm. And if you look on the internet, pretty much everyone says you need to pick a niche. Yeah. But a niche is insufficient. It's uh, 15, 15 years ago, early in the internet, if you would have picked a niche as an agency, you would have just dominated. Uh, it, it was easy. Like, mm -hmm. I just do this thing. And, and there are a bunch of companies, uh, I think like, I think it's like Scorpion Web and uh, there's a bunch of others that they focus on attorneys, uh, dentists, plumbers, heating and air conditioning. All the classics, and yep. <laughs> Right. And, and they, they built gigantic businesses where those customers are just locked in mm -hmm. for well over a decade. Mm -hmm. And, but since then loads of other people came into those retail, uh, retail uh, businesses. The, and, and now there's a thousand people saying exactly the same thing as everyone else. Mm -hmm. So if you just niche, all you're going to do is essentially say, I either get you customers or leads for your insert niche here. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's not sufficient today. Uh, you actually have to find a way to uh, be in a niche and also have a specialty. But even that is soon going to be insufficient. So I've been pushing hard on a personal brand. By developing a personal brand, it's hard to copy someone uh, directly. <laughs> like I will never be Gary V and be able to create VaynerMedia, the agency he has. Mm -hmm. Like I'll never be David Ogilvy and end up creating Ogilvy. I like all those things. I'll never be those people to be able to, uh, to try to copy them. I can try to do their services. I can even try to use some of their own messaging, but I'll never be them. And yeah. so that's the, that's the one, uh, blue ocean that we all have available to us is we can use a personal brand. Uh, a lot of people don't like that idea, but that is that is the one thing that will keep you a blue ocean for the next decade or more. Yeah, and I, I'm totally on board with that because, like you said, it's it's really one of the only things you can do to be unique because everything else has has you know been done essentially. If you're just talking about specialization or or niching uh, or niching, if you're in the US, I'm I'm surprised yeah. you said niching. It's not niche. <laughs> ah, I, I talk to a lot of people around the world. So, yeah. <laughs> so I used to say niche. I used to say niche because it, it's nice, you know, to say the riches are in the niches. Right? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of something that rhymes with niche. Um, niche. No, yeah. it doesn't work. It <laughs> no. just does not work. Uh, yeah. And I always, I've seen a lot of posts around too. That's like, oh, um, I've been trying for months to work on like X niche here. Uh, and it's not working. Um, you know, what should I do? Like, and I feel like a lot of people just focus on, on that niche. Like it's, it's the magic bullet. Uh, and I think you make a really good point that it's just not enough and like specialization as well. And I'm a big fan of personal brand. Um, I mean the, I guess 
the only real downside, like you said, people aren't a fan. What what are some of the things they say against it? Like I can imagine the saleability potentially of a business. That's the but num- what else? Is number one thing, right there. You hit yeah. it. The number one thing is, but I won't be able to sell my business. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, like how many how many people were able to sell their business where their personal brand was highly tied to that company? Uh, David Ogilvy, if we're going to talk agencies, the name of his company was Ogilvy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, he's been dead for a long time. Ogilvy is still here. Yeah. It's, it became such an iconic name that it stands all on its own. Most, mm-hmm. like most young people today, uh, you say Ogilvy, they go, oh, you know, the big ad agency. Mm-hmm. They won't know. David Ogilvy, unless they went and read his books and studied some other uh, marketing stuff. But it started out as a personal brand. Exactly. It was him. He did the sales. He did the creative. He did did it all. It started off that way. And and he made a name for himself. He wrote books. He did speaking. He did a whole bunch of other things that uh, gave him even greater a cachet among his uh, potential customers because he built a mystique around who he was and how good he was. Yeah. And when I think of a, a personal brand, like someone who is a personal brand, it is books and speaking and like podcasts. And that's ex- like exactly what you were just saying is how, how he sort of created that brand. So, I mean, there's a couple of examples right out right there, but what else, what else can people do? Uh, so, uh, oh, due to build a brand or yeah, due like, about so the saleability you... issue, right? Uh, uh, not... No, no, no. I, I, I'm totally on board with, with saleability. Like that's such a great example of like how it doesn't matter. Like, you know, eventually, uh, I guess, um, well, but, yeah. I'll, I'll finish, I'll finish with this. Um, if you have an agency, odds are it will not sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, right. I've thought that as well for a while. <laughs> right. So, so you have to, uh, it, it's not like you can discount it a lot and someone will eventually buy it. Yeah. It just won't sell. Most of them will, will not sell. So you, don't, you shouldn't even worry about that part. But if you build up a personal brand that's tied to the brand of your agency, there's a good chance you'll make your agency famous and people will actually want it. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't do that, but you've built up a significant agency, you're doing, you know, 15 to $50 million a year in revenue, someone will come along and they will offer you one times revenue for that agency. Then they'll give you a two year earnout, which means you're going to have to work in the company to get all the money. Yeah. That's what will happen. Okay. So don't worry about the personal brand because the odds are stacked against you. Agencies are great for cash flow. Remove the money from the agency and invest it into other assets. That's what I do. They're great cash flow businesses. If you build it big enough, you will have an opportunity to sell it, but you will need to do a two-year earnout, which will give you the opportunity to extract you personally from that company in that two-year period. Well, there you go. That's um, that's actually really awesome advice, especially because if anyone is thinking of selling their agency, uh, you've seen it happen a bunch of times. So 
Yeah. I mean, that's just a good way to think about things. Like, cause I see people like, like you said, like talking about selling their agency and then like, when you really look at it, there's not much saleable there, especially like, it's like, where's your recurring revenue? Like, where's the, like, that's the kind of stuff that people want to see is the, the brand and the, um, the work and the revenue that's going to continue to come in uh, even without you. And if you've made a brand for that company, uh, that has become, like you said, famous or semi-famous, then that that's what will happen. Right. Uh, so the thing that people are buying in an agency is not recurring revenue. Uh, that's kind of a myth. Uh, okay. It's uh, what they're what they're actually buying is a uh, a solution that fills a gap in their current offering. So most agencies end up selling to another agency. Right. And that agency is buying you because they have a gap in, in their own offering. And that's what they're trying to fill. Huh. Right? So, uh, so if you've got really good IP and you should be developing your IP along the way, and uh, in that you should be building a significant brand for you and your agency so that you become desirable, you become the prettiest girl in the room and somebody's gonna want you and then from there, uh, you can negotiate a decent sale. But you'll still need significant revenues to get a decent sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what they're gonna do is they're gonna look at, uh, do you fill a gap? A, a company that just sold uh, Droga5, uh, Droga5's a large ad agency uh, built by this a guy, uh, Droga, I can't remember his first name, but uh, he built this agency and it's known as one of the most creative agencies out there. That's why it sold. The company that bought it was missing, they had everything else, but they were missing the, that highly creative element that had been ingrained into this agency. Nice. That's actually good to know. I wouldn't have thought it would be like that. You know, well, I guess now that you say it out loud that agencies by agencies, it makes total sense. Cause I like, I can't imagine someone from outside of the agency world coming in and going, I want to buy an agency unless, um, I guess I've seen that sort of thing happen when, um, they end up becoming the primary client of the agency and then they just want, they turn them into their marketing department. <laughs> yep. That, that <laughs> happens. That happens too. Uh, that, and that's, but that's rarer than mm. uh, than uh, going out and getting purchased by another agency. Yeah, for sure. So then like back on branding, how like what are some first steps people can take towards creating this kind of unique brand? So one of the easiest things is have something to stand against. Like I've asked people, what do you stand for? And they always hit you with some platitude. Like, you know, I stand for good quality. I stand for creativity. I stand for, you know, what, uh, you know, getting leads or, or, or getting results or something. And it's like, okay, that's not measurable. It's not attractive. Like those, those platitudes don't attract anyone. So like, well, what do you stand against? Like, what do you hate? Like what, what pisses you off? Right? Because if, it, if you're pissed about this in your industry, or the industry that you serve, you're mad about something, you can find a way to turn around and go, aren't you mad about this too? And <laughs> those and those people that are in that market will go, yeah, I'm mad about that, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore, <laughs> right? 
And then you, then it kind of writes its own copy. You go, okay, I stand against this. So what's the opposite of that? Oh, I stand for this other thing, right? It becomes far easier to figure out what you're for by knowing exactly what you're against because most people are afraid at, I don't know if we can cuss on here, but yes. um, they're really afraid. I'll just, I'll just, no, I won't. I'll just, <laughs> they're really afraid. If you go on YouTube, you get demonetized, but uh, I'll, uh, Damn. Uh, they're really, they're really afraid uh, to offend anyone. So, so they won't tell people what pisses them off. Mm-hmm. They'll just give them some platitude that won't get them excited. Like you got to get people excited today. First, the first thing about branding is people have to care. You got to get their attention. And the only way you're going to get their attention is if you do something that everyone else is afraid to do. Like, what are you, I, I what was, do you stand for, Tim? What's <laughs> uh, like in, in the agent, in the agency space, uh, I am a, uh, very against, very against broken business models that are taught by all the gurus, right? Like, all the gurus selling you uh, an expensive course they have a broken business model that they're teaching you because they themselves never got through the growing up process uh, for their agency and never learned how to fix those things in their own business. Most of them quit when they were a six figure agency. There's a couple of guys out there that said my agency actually made it to seven before I started selling courses, but you're just getting started at a million dollars. At a million dollars, you're a baby. Like an agency uh, that is actually sellable that you can potentially sell to another human being needs to be in uh, the eight-figure realm. Damn. Preferably the nine-figure <laughs> realm, right? But the eight-figure realm and even the high eight-figure realm is where you need to go before you've even figured out the real issues. Like most agencies that are a million and less can't keep a client for a full year, let alone do like the larger ad agencies and keep them for five years or more. They've never figured that out. And that's with their recurring revenue model, you know, air quotes, right? <laughs> the the uh, recurring revenue model. They, um, I've worked with a whole bunch of agencies over these last couple of years that their average recurring revenue was four months. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and they're, and they are not alone. There's a lot of them. They just can't keep them because right. they have a broken business model. So yeah. I go out and I teach, uh, so I teach, you know, anti-guru and then, <laughs> so, so that's one part, but everybody's anti-guru. So that doesn't stand out. So then I'm like, here's how to make a real agency. And so then one of the other things that people are against uh, that, that they don't like is a personal brand. So I'm like, got to build a personal brand, <laughs> right? So like I, I go out and I hit these things that, that, uh, re- that make me different from everyone else teaching mm-hmm. how to build an agency. So moving on then, like, so if someone truly has something that they've taken aim at or like that they stand for, what are like the, the next steps? Like, you know, I guess you mentioned book and, and speaking before, like where, where should people start 
their mess uh, the simple stuff their messaging right you don't need a podcast you don't need a youtube channel you don't need any of that stuff you just need good messaging so if we're talking agencies odds are we are a advertising agency a marketing agency a digital marketing agency uh, any kind of marketing right unless your agency happens to be it or something right uh, unless you're in that world if you're in the creative space be freaking creative right <laughs> like the like, yeah i don't know if you're a marketing company and you suck at marketing there's a problem <laughs> right so so one one of the first things you need to do is do what you tell all your clients to do define your message and test that message with the market does the market respond so if i'm against something or for something and i test my messaging and people are like oh boring right they yawn they're falling asleep then my messaging sucks but if I figure out, oh, they actually are interested, but they're still kind of bored, maybe I need to take it up a notch. Like maybe I need to be a little crazy. You know, maybe I need to do something funny. Maybe I need to do something um, uh, visually striking. Maybe I need a publicity stunt. Maybe I need something that grabs the attention of my market because the message is right. They're just bored with it. Right? So maybe, maybe we just got to be creative. Maybe our messaging is correct and we'd be creative. So if you start a podcast and your messaging's wrong, no one's going to care. Mm. If you start a podcast and your marketing sucks, no one's going to care. Right? So if you do all these activities of content creation, but you don't do it creatively enough and, and take some chances, right? Take, uh, be, be a willing for people to make fun of you. Like, oh, that guy's an idiot, right? That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. That's stupid, I can't believe you did that, right? If you're willing to take a chance, then there's a good shot that someone's gonna pay attention to you. Boom. I almost wanna just like leave that that there. That's like a, a really uh, good, I guess, just point for everything. Like I, I try to think like that as well. Like in some of my content, I get a little bit boring let's say and uh i feel like i almost need like a post-it note on my um on my monitor or something telling me like what i stand against or whatever and and that getting that messaging right because when you were describing all of that then i was actually thinking about writing some copy um for uh, this automation and zapier course that i put together and um i had some people say like that it was some like really good copy i, I like i'm not i don't rate myself as a copywriter right but this this sales page was so easy to write because i you know i was so shitty with people doing all this stupid work that they don't need to do and i was basically just writing about that in the negative and then writing about what it's like when you fix it on the positive and it was just such an easy sales page to write so wh when you've been describing this i was like holy shit like that's what problem happened? solution bridge right <laughs> the, the copywriting technique of problem yeah. solution bridge mm. right and that's what you did all the negative crap <laughs> yeah and then you talk about here's how you fix it and here's the solution to fixing all that crap yeah now the bridge is my is by my stuff yeah right? and the same thing with an agency right they can like and this is why if you have something that you passionately stand against like writing copy and having that messaging is going to be so easy Yes. Yes. 
Damn. Well, Tim, I think I actually, I mean, do you think we should cover anything else or can we wrap it up there? Hey, I'll wrap, we can wrap it up. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm an, I'm a nerd. I'll talk about this stuff for ever and it's evening time my time so like i got nothing better to do i'll, I'll sit here and like, that or you know go watch netflix so i can well, either drop some knowledge or well or we okay it, one, one thing i would like to cover is is you know okay assuming like practical steps like if you had to give someone some steps to like you know one uh you know stand against something or whatever it is uh two uh-huh. um get your messaging right like what what's next Uh, What's next is go put that message in front of your potential customer. So uh, if you already have some, go hit them up, hit Mm -hmm. them up for more money. That's, that's a great place because you know, they already trust you because they already gave you money. Mm -hmm. So you might as well go back there and, and grow the account uh, and, and go, Hey, I can do this other thing for you. And here's the messaging, right? And you hit them with that messaging. They go, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. And you go, okay, great. Now I'm going to go test it with people who don't know me from Adam. And then those people, we're going to find out if they get as as excited to give me money as the people that have already given me money. right? Like just go out and do the testing. The Lean Startup uh, space that was really popular about uh, uh, five to 10 years ago, mm-hmm. that era uh, in that lean startup space, they had some really good ideas about how to validate a business. It, some of it didn't make too much sense and it doesn't make any sense for something we know people pay money for. We know people pay money for advertising. We know people pay money for any kind of B2B professional service. We know that. So we don't have to validate that. What we have to validate is our messaging. So I would go back and read uh, like Stephen Blank. Uh, he's got some really good uh, concepts on lean, uh, on lean Startup that give you a pathway as to how to test what you're selling to your marketplace. Nice. I'll, um, I'll link that. I'll go find some of Stephen Blank. Is this a book or is this just like a... He's got loads of stuff, loads of books. He's yeah. a professor. He's got a bunch of stuff. The, there is a book by uh, some, Reese, uh, something Reese, um, can't remember his first name right now, uh, called Lean Startup. And it's kind of the Bible of that. But I think a lot of the concepts in it don't translate to businesses that already have a proven model mm-hmm. like people already buy advertising so we don't have to even mess with a good portion of it and some of the other elements don't make sense i think uh, blanks uh, stephen blanks stuff has been the most um uh, uh the well thought out and okay. and usable of of all the lean startup ideas so if somebody's really struggling uh, to do that but then uh, some of the people who are watching this are marketers. They've already studied a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're adver- uh, advertisers. They've already studied some of that stuff. It's like, well, then just use what you know, <laughs> Yeah. right? You, you already know marketing. So sit down and, and test some marketing. And, and marketing and advertising don't matter unless somebody sees it. So get it in front of some people and find out what happens. And, th- and that's going to give you a better education than any book you could possibly read. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and I've, a lot of people listening or watching to the, uh, listening or watching also have a business, uh, you know, with at least a few clients. And that's why the idea of going to, to existing clients is, is great, obviously, because you, they already have a relationship with you. So it's very easy to reach out to them. Um, there's another book that kind of covers a lot of this stuff, which I'm going to guess you're a pretty big fan of, and it's called getting everything you can out of what you've got. Given yes. I can see it over your shoulder, <laughs> right there. That's that's my number one gifted uh, book I've ever. You know, I give that book out to loads of people. Yeah, and that is such like, one of the um, the greats. I feel in the business world, um, or like I think it's a must read for pretty much everybody. Um, and that's just so you guys listening, it's getting everything you can out of all you've got by Jay Abraham. Um, I know James Shremko is a massive fan of that book. In fact, I think he, um, he interviewed Jay Abraham recently. Uh, and it was pretty much, he, he like, I don't, worship's not the right word, but it was just like the amount of uh, love that James had for him because of that book and other things is just like huge because it's so helpful and it covers, I mean, like getting everything you can out of what you've already got in, in a business, right? Without having to, go out and do more marketing and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely recommend that. So Tim, um, I think that's enough because uh, we don't want to blow people's minds too much. We've already covered uh, like hiring through to creating a personal brand, taking aim at things. There's been a lot here. I'm just looking at my notes um, and I feel like at some point I'm going to have to get you back uh, to keep chatting. Uh, and yeah. keep, so otherwise we don't go for like two or three hours and turn this into a Joe Rogan podcast. Exactly. Joe uh, Rogan podcast, the experience, <laughs> man, those, those episodes are so long. Uh, so Tim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this stuff. Like I, I just love that you've taken aim at so much of the standard BS uh, advice. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on James. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Uh, otherwise, I'll see you in the next episode.